Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. We've got a large number of people who are not with us this morning. Some are traveling, and some are sick or in the hospital. So uh, we miss our family members when they're not able to be with us. Glad you are here. Glad you are here. Hope you come back. The sermon topic that I had on the first slide, when you, if you noticed when the service was getting started, was intentionally vague. It said Christians in English. Well, it's going to be a different kind of, of discussion today because I want us to talk more than for us to simply have preaching going on. Uh, I've heard preachers say that before, but really, truly, a lot of what we're going to do today is talk about language, and then we'll get to what I think is a very, very important point. You don't have the handout yet because I didn't want everybody to read in the head. I want you to all discover it as we go and as we walk through it. Uh, Howard has the handouts, and we'll do that at the end of service. It may come up after the invitation song. I'll come back up and just make okay. sure we all pass them out before we go to the Lord's okay. So it says, don't be a contronym. Don't be a contronym. Well, that sounds like something I don't want to be. But let's take a look at a few things here. <coughs> English. You know, language, particularly English, is very strange. English can be a very difficult language to pick up. If you already know, it's a difficult language to pass in Grade school and high school because there's all these exceptions to everything. You remember I before E except after what? C unless is in A is in way and A and there's a thousand other exceptions. So is it you ought to count them up sometimes. Is it really I before E? You know, I know. But we you know it's very strange. There's even these things called synonyms that are in English. These are words that mean pretty much the same thing. Remember synonyms? I'm, I'm sorry if I'm going to bring back bad memories today. Uh, English was not one of my favorite classes. Uh, sorry to English teachers, they were sorry to have me, I think. Uh, we had synonyms. Synonyms such as big, and a synonym for that would be large, big and large, kind of the same thing. Words that have the same meaning even though they're spelled differently. Giant synonyms, big, large, and giant. Then you also have homonyms. Now here you may start getting a little, well, I don't want to bring back some bad memories now, Gene. Homonyms. These are words that sound the same but mean different things. For example, road and road. You know, you rode on the road. Two different meanings, even though they sound the same. You may have rode on the road. You can say written, but you rode on the road. Eight and eight. I ate eight cookies. You know, somebody hears you say that who doesn't speak English in the native language. Yeah, I heard you when you said you ate cookies. Why did you repeat yourself? Eight and eight. Creek and creek. You know, I, I, I had heard a few creeks when I crossed the creek. Creek and creek. <clears throat> flower and flower. Right? I use flower in making the flower cake. Or whatever. You know, I don't know. I mean, flower and flower. They, they spell differently but sound the same. And of course, there's more than one. Well, probably, I bet. Most of us have never heard, however, of antonyms. I'm curious, anybody here ever heard of antonyms before? What? I will confess then that I was sleeping in class because uh, I, I, antonyms were a lot harder for me than synonyms or homonyms. But things like hot and cold, like words that just mean opposite things, big, little, high, low, and more. But I really don't think many of us have ever heard of contronyms. I freely admit I've never heard the word until about 10 days ago. And I thought, aha, first of all, it's not something everyone will have heard before. 
And I think it's got a very important message for us. So bear with me, please. I'm going to use a lot of examples of what contronyms are. These are words that have opposite meanings depending on how you use them. Same word, but can mean exact opposite things. And there, yes, there are such strange things. For example, let's look at some of them. When the alarm goes off, I turn it off. Here, the word off means when the alarm activates, I turn it off, I deactivate it. Same word. The alarm goes off, I turn it off. That's a contronym. The word off means the exact opposite, activate and deactivate. After the men left the party, I asked how many women were left. So in this case, the men had departed, we're using the same word left for departed and remaining, meaning the opposite thing. You see what the contronym is going to be? Same word, but it can mean the exact opposite thing. There were a lot of stars out, but they were hard to see until I put the lights out. So in this case, out meaning visible stars, but they weren't visible until I made the lights in the house invisible. That's a contronym. He works out of his home, so he rarely gets out of his house. <laughs> Is he working out in the tree or what? No, you're really working in your house, but we say you work out of your house. A lot of people are doing that today with remote work. You work out of your house, meaning inside your house, and so by doing that, you rarely get out or outside of the house. In this case, out is being used as a contraband. He was bound for freedom until the police caught and bound him. In other words, he was headed toward a destination until the police restrained him, but the same word bound. Getting the idea of what's going on with a contronym? Most of us would never talk this way. We would use a different word. But it can, in fact, flow just like this. I have a $5 bill, but my bill is $10. So here we're talking about payment and then the invoice requesting payment. I have a $5 bill, but my bill is $10. After dusting the table, the baker dusted the cake with powdered sugar. One of them, you mean adding fine particles, right? Dusting the cake, the little hand thing, whatever that does. You're dusting the cake, but you also dusted the table to clear off the table. So in one, you're adding fine particles, and the other one, you're removing them. Dust, in this case, is a contraband. Hopefully, everybody's still awake. I know this is English. I know this is English. Please, please hang with me, hang with me. The, sh the mean chef cooks a mean lasagna. So in this case, the not nice chef cooks a nice or good lasagna. So in that case, mean, I mean, you know, mean can mean two different things. It's a confident. The president could not sanction putting sanctions on the other country. So in this case, approve something that is disapproving of another country. The president could not sanction, could not approve putting Restrictions that disapprove of a country. If one country is going to sanction another, uh, you know, you're putting something on that says, I don't like what you're doing. So the president did not, uh, could not uh, agree to doing something where somebody was doing something disagreeable, approve or disapprove. Here's one the baseball player hoped to strike the ball with the bat, but instead ended up with strike two. Strike, it's a contradiction right there because it could mean hit. 
but it's also the result of not hitting the ball. Strike. Whoever knew there were so many contronyms? I can't imagine. I went through all the years of my life and had never known what a contronym After deciding to trim the live Christmas tree, they had to trim a few unruly branches. Well, in one case, you're putting something on the tree, and others, you're cutting things off. Trim being used as a contronym. But it's also confusing. Here's the point. It's also confusing when we Christians live like a continent. What do you mean? Well, you and I often will have contradictions. We're supposed to be one way, but we actually live the other. Let me give you some examples of how you and I sometimes are contradicts. We talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. Luke 6, 46, that was read earlier. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do the things that I say. They're talking the talk. They're calling Jesus Lord. They're calling him Master. And they may very well be telling others about, you know, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is Lord. But they're not doing what he says. So in this case, this follower of Jesus, by their life, is a comforter. Saying something and not doing what they should be doing. Here's another one from Titus 1.16. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. I know God, but I don't live my life like I know God. Okay. And it's pretty rough here, right? Look what Paul says to Titus about people who do that. They are abominable, disobedient, and they're disqualified. They are unfit for any good work. Because they say, I know God. Can't tell it. Can't tell it. James 3.10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. The language here talking about the tongue in James 3 talks a great deal about, you know, you can't get fresh water and bitter water from the same spring. It's going to be one or the other. Well, for us, it really needs to be one or the other. Out of my mouth, as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to say horrible, profane, mean, hateful things, and yet use that same mouth, right, to come in and sing. I can recall somebody saying, do you use that same mouth when you Kiss your mother. Remember that? Somebody just said something really awful, hateful, or profane. I've heard that said before. Well, it's true. How can that same mouth say, Mom, I love you, when it says, Oh, it shouldn't be that. Talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. There's another situation where we may sometimes be a confident. We judge others, but give ourselves a pass. We judge others and exclude ourselves. Matthew 7, 3. Jesus, this is humorous. Jesus intends this as humor. People would have snickered or laughed. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank, the beam in your own eye? Nothing worse than having something in your eye that you know doesn't belong there. I mean, we've all had that. It's like, ah. And it's always good to have somebody help you, but I don't want them helping 
when they're not looking at my eye, let me get it, right? Get away from my head. Nobody wants you to want fingers poking in your eye when they're not looking. Or if they've got, you know, a blindfold on, let me try to get it out. That would be the equivalent joke kind of thing today. Jesus' point here is, why are you worrying about the tiny something somebody else has got wrong? And notice, he's not excusing the speck if that's something somebody's doing they shouldn't be doing. But you've got your own issues to worry about. Quit judging somebody on something that is, I don't want to minimize it, but maybe relatively trivial compared to the gross violation that's in your own life. Your own life. How can you do it? How can you jump in and set somebody else right on something that's relatively tiny when you've got some glaring inconsistency in your own life? Don't be a contrary. Romans 12, uh, 2, 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, O woman. Women don't get a pass here. O man, O woman, whoever you are who judge, for whenever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same thing. You know, suppose I was up here today preaching against stealing. Don't steal. And then I show up in the paper tomorrow having a house full of stolen goods. Hello? Right? That's rather inconsistent. Would you pay attention to much of anything I had been saying? If it turns out that I was, you know, daring enough to preach against stealing when I was doing the same thing, how can I possibly be judging somebody when I am involved in the same activity? Imagine a judge, right, taking a bribe, presiding over a case involving bribery. You would say, this isn't going to work. Same thing here. It's not that judgment shouldn't occur, but get our own house in order, which is a hard thing to do, right? Jesus is the one who's going to judge. We simply want to call attention to what Jesus said. It's not our place in any way to condemn. How about this one? Say and do not do. Hypocrisy. Really, hypocrisy is how it would play into the Christian way of living. Be a contrary. Romans 2, 21. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? Just like I was saying, say and do not do, hypocrisy. So here's my question. Is your life, is my life, confident? Is it confident? Am I involved in saying one thing and doing another? Am I involved in not really Jesus had something very direct, very direct to say about that in the book of Revelation. Here he's talking to Christians in the church of Laodicea. And he says, I know your deeds, talking to the church, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Quit this stuff of straddling the fence. Quit being very reverent on Sunday morning. And out doing whatever you want the rest of the week. Apparently, it really seems almost as if that irritates Jesus more than the people to say, hey, I'm out for myself. Because he doesn't like the hypocrisy. He doesn't. If we are members of God's family, we should be members of God's family, really, 24-7. We should be that way all the time. When we repent, we need to change. Really, if somebody says they're a follower of Jesus, but they're a contronym, if they say they're following uh, 
God wants them to be and trying to be what God wants them to be, but they're obviously not. The real problem is, is that they have not really repented. I said before, the, the idea behind repentance is military. It is an about face. Right? This will date me, but some of you may remember a TV show. For those of you too young, you can find it. Gomer Pyle. Okay, Gomer Pyle. I always remember when they're not marching, right? Everybody would be so strictly military. And what would Jim Neighbors, Gomer Pyle, be doing? You know, he would be out of the line, talking to the sergeant, all this kind of stuff. He didn't fit in line. He wasn't really doing about face. And sometimes the entire troop would turn around and he would keep going. Well, as Christians, don't be no repile. God has said, repent. God has said, the way you lived before, okay, is before. Now, you're going to be headed in this other direction. Before, you were living for yourself. You were doing what you wanted to do. You were doing what was full of pleasure, fun, excitement, whatever it may be. Now, you're supposed to be focused on real joy and living your life for me. About face. If I'm a continent, if I say and don't do, if I'm crying out, Lord, Lord, but I don't do what Jesus wants me to do, if out of my mouth blessing and cursing come, if out of my life I am not living the way I should, if I'm judging and doing the same, I mean, all these different things we've been talking about, as a Christian, please, please don't be contrary. Don't let your life be used by others as an example of opposites. You know, I've been around people who, who were churchgoers, that I knew full well had been out partying and drinking until the wee hours of the morning on Sunday morning or engaging in all sorts of things. Some of that was high school. It's not the way it's supposed to be. So I plead all of us today, first of all, is do what God wants us to do. Say, Lord, Lord, and do the things that he says. Out of our mouth, let's have blessing come. <laughs> Let's make sure that we are not acting as actors, as hypocrites. Jesus is standing at the door and knocking this one. He's knocking. And so I really, really want you to consider is that a door this morning that you need to open? You may need to open it to ask for forgiveness for being a contraband. May need to open it because there's something weighing on your heart that you need to take before God and ask for help from brothers and sisters who will gladly pray for you. Not a member of God's family, you're still living for yourself. If you have never turned your life over to God, if you have not repented, if you haven't had an about face, if you haven't died to yourself in the waters of baptism, you can be raised as Paul says, walk in newness of life. Not even a continent yet. You're living more as an antonym, the exact opposite of what God wants you to be. Because we sing, I love the choice of song. Who at the door is standing? The answer to that is Jesus. If we can be of help in any way, come as he's knocking at the door. Right.